0: It's easy sometimes to read the stories like the ones we find in Jeremiah and shake our heads at how blind the people are, but we, of course, know how the story ends, and it's a lot easier to spot a false prophet with a couple thousand years of hindsight. It's a lot harder when they're right in front of us. There are prominent voices that claim to speak for God and say women should not lead or preach, and others that say they absolutely should. Some say Trump is sent from God, and others that he comes from somewhere south of heaven, shall we say. Some advocate for tax cuts for the wealthy, others for universal Medicare, all in the name of Jesus. And so we thought that as a way of engaging a bit deeper with what Meredith was just saying about this story in Jeremiah, we might try something that some of you have likely done before and some probably have not, a sort of imaginative engagement with scripture. The goal here is to try to place ourselves in the story as much as we can, imagining what it might have been like to be there with these events happening right in front of us. And that, hopefully, by listening to what God brings out to us from experiencing this story in a slightly different way, that we might gain some insight into the sometimes similar situations we walk through in our own lives. So we will do that. And if you had been with us on Sunday, we would have had some time to then discuss what we had experienced together um, afterwards. For those of you who are listening via podcast, this might be more of a, an individual reflection sort of exercise. So what I'd like you to do is imagine with me. Close your eyes if it's helpful. Get comfortable, whatever you need to do to put yourself back in the days of Jeremiah. You are a regular old resident of Judah, living on a farm in a village, a day or two's journey from Jerusalem. You're going about your daily life, maybe with some sense that things aren't quite right in Judah as a whole, but mostly you and your family are too busy to worry about things like that. You're going about your daily work, trying to put food on the table, trying to be good people, a good family. You had heard that there was a new world power off to the north somewhere, Babylon, and then rumors started that the Babylonian armies were on the move. And then all of a sudden, just a few months back, the armies swept through Judah. You didn't actually see them from your village, but you heard panicked reports from people fleeing Jerusalem. You heard that the king had been taken off into exile and that the Babylonians had replaced him with a new king, his uncle. And you also heard the Babylonians took some of the most precious, sacred items from the temple of Yahweh and carried them back with them, proclaiming the whole time to everyone around who could hear that this proves the power of their gods over this puny Yahweh. But even so, Jerusalem still stands. The temple is still there, which which is good because it's time now for one of the key yearly festivals during which everyone who can from all over Judah gather to worship at the temple and to celebrate the wonders that Yahweh has done in your past. Things like setting your people free from slavery in Egypt. Things like defeating the Assyrian armies miraculously just a hundred or so years ago right as they were about to conquer Jerusalem themselves, wonders that, well, you sure would like to see happen again today because the rumor is that the Babylonians might be coming back. And so everybody on the way to Jerusalem is a bit on edge, a bit tense, a little jumpy as they make their way to the capital. When you get there, you head to the temple, which is packed with people, streaming in and out. The place is a buzz, and not just about the festival. It seems there's this guy, Jeremiah, that everybody is talking about. He's wandering around the temple and the city with a big wooden yoke over his shoulders. You know, like the one back home that the cows wear when plowing. And people say he never shuts up. He's talking constantly, saying things like, Bring your necks to the king of Babylon's yoke. Serve him and his people and live. Why should you die, you and your people, by sword, famine, and epidemic, as Yahweh has said regarding the nations that don't serve the king of Babylon? Don't listen to the words of the prophets who are saying to you, don't serve the king of Babylon, because they are prophesying falsehood to you. Because I didn't send them, these are Yahweh's words, and they are prophesying falsely in my name, so that I'll drive you out and you'll perish, you and the prophets who are prophesying to you. And as you're getting filled in about this Jeremiah character, you hear a commotion off to the right. The crowds start parting. as, sure enough, a giant wooden yoke comes barging through and people are dodging to the side to not get knocked in the face with the bars that seem to be sprouting out from the sagging shoulders of this Jeremiah. Clothes dusty, his beard kind of matted to his face with sweat, his eyes darting around, and just like everyone says, he's talking. Yahweh has said this. Don't listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. Write the things from Yahweh's house. They're going to be returned from Babylon now very soon because they are prophesying falsehood to you. Don't listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. Why should this city become a desolation? If their prophets and Yahweh's messages with them, they should intercede with Yahweh armies so that the rest of the things in Yahweh's house in the house of the king of Judah and in Jerusalem, don't also go to Babylon. Because Yahweh armies has said this about the pillars, the sea, the stands, and all the rest of the things in the temple, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, didn't take when he exiled Jeconiah, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from Jerusalem to Babylon and all the important people from Judah and Jerusalem, because Yahweh armies, Israel's God, has said about the things that remain in Yahweh's house and in the house of the king of Judah and in Jerusalem as a whole, to Babylon they will be transported too, and there they'll be until the day when I deal with them. These are Yahweh's words when I bring them up and return them to this place. So let's pause there in our story and take a minute or two to check in. Maybe jot down some notes if it's helpful. But what's your first response to what you hear? What rings true about this message? What, what's maybe tough to swallow? What emotions do you feel? Take a minute and think and reflect on that. Now let's jump back into our scene in the temple courts. There's a shouting off to the left now, and the crowd parts again, and another man strides, no, struts, up to where Jeremiah is still talking, his entourage trailing behind his gleaming robes. You can't help but notice the stark contrast between him and Jeremiah in pretty much every way. A cheer goes up from one part of the crowd. Set him straight, Hananiah. Hananiah straightens up looks directly at Jeremiah and calls out in a loud, clear voice. Yahweh armies, Israel's God has said this. I am breaking the yoke of the king of Babylon. In yet two years time, I'm going to return to this place all the things from Yahweh's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took from this place and brought to Babylon. And I am going to return to this place Jeconiah, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all Judah's exiled community who came to Babylon. These are Yahweh's words, because I'm breaking the king of Babylon's yoke. Now let's pause again. This is a whole new message. So let's reflect on the same questions. What is your first response to what you hear? What rings true about this message? What is maybe tough to swallow? What emotions do you feel as you hear what Hananiah had to say? Just like before, take a minute and reflect on those questions. Returning to our scene, your eyes dart back to Jeremiah. If anything, his shoulders have slumped even more. What is he going to say back? He seems hesitant. You notice he stopped talking. There are some in the crowd continuing to cheer for Hananiah as Jeremiah finally opens his mouth. Amen. So may Yahweh do. May Yahweh perform your words which you have prophesied. May Yahweh return the things from Yahweh's house and the entire exiled community from Babylon to this place. Nevertheless, do listen to this word that I'm speaking in your ears and the ears of the entire people. The prophets who were before me and before you from of old, they prophesied concerning many countries and about great kingdoms regarding battle, famine, and epidemic. The prophet who prophesies of things going well Only when the prophet's message comes about can he be acknowledged as one from Yahweh, whom Yahweh sent in truth. Before the words are even out of Jeremiah's mouth, Hananiah is moving quickly towards him. He reaches out, grabs the yoke, rips it off Jeremiah's shoulders, and in one motion smashes it onto the ground where it shatters. And Hananiah says, Yahweh has said this, in just this way. I shall break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, in yet two years from all the nations' necks. And then Jeremiah leaves. He stares at Hananiah for a minute, silent, a strange look on his face, then turns and shuffles off into the crowd. Some people crowd in around Hananiah, most go back to what they've been doing, and the festival goes on. But at the end of the day, as you lay down to sleep, you keep coming back to what you saw. Both of these prophets claimed to speak for Yahweh. Who was more believable? Why? I'd invite you to reflect on those questions as well as we close this little experience. Whose words were more believable and why? And what does that tell us about how we can sort through the competing messages that are brought in the name of God in our day as well? We'll be back with the Backdrop podcast later this week. And we hope to see you next Sunday, 9 a.m. You can find a link on our church's website. Until then, have a great week. Bye.